How can pastors pursue accountability? What steps should they take? Listen in to today's podcast as Matt Chandler of The Village Church is transparent about his church's system of accountability. Informing, encouraging, and supporting your church. You're listening to the Excellence in Church Administration podcast from ECFA. Welcome, everyone, to another Excellence in Church Administration podcast. This is your host, Michael Martin from ECFA. Well, hey, earlier in 2019, our very own Dr. Warren Bird, the Director of Research and Equipping here at ECFA, had the opportunity to learn and share with several pastors of some of the nation's leading churches at a conference at Saddleback Church in California. When during one of the meetings, Warren was able to connect with Pastor Matt Chandler, who serves as the lead pastor of the Village Church in Texas, one of our great ECFA member churches. Uh, They were able to visit during one of the outdoor lunch events and really just record some of Matt's thoughts on accountability and how he embraces the value of accountability in his leadership. It was a tremendous conversation and let's turn now to Warren's conversation with Matt Chandler. Matt, you and I have been chatting with a group of uh, large church pastors about a very tender topic, and people have been very vulnerable about accountability or lack of accountability, about uh, failure that comes out of it. Um, What's your take on how how you handle accountability and on what you see from your peers, what you picked up in this conversation? Well, I think the first thing I pick up is that um, the response around accountability is is super broad. The way guys approach it, the way they want to establish it, how they're trying to navigate it it really is unique to context. It's unique to streams. It's unique to um, maybe even kind of ethnic diversity is in, in regards to the way maybe an African-American church might approach this and a predominantly Anglo church might uh, approach this. But I think the thing that's most important is that there is accountability that has proximity to a senior leader um, in support of the senior leader. Not not When I say in support of, I don't mean um, defend at all costs, but defends the senior leader from the authority given to him by the congregation as the the anointed one or the man of God, which I I want as a lead pastor of a very large church, I, I want to own the power that's been given to me for good, to lead us forward, uh, to to kind of make hard calls and establish things, but I don't want to then allow that to go to my head in such a way that I will uh, abuse that authority uh, or abuse the people God has given me to care for. And that's where systems of accountability come in, where, where now we're going to support Pastor Matt, we're going to come alongside of him, we're going to pray for him, and when necessary. We're going to call them out for either walking in a way that's contrary to the Word of God or behaving in a way that is harmful or hurtful to the very people we're meant to care for. And so we have a three-lead pastor structure. Uh, We have 360 reviews. And I have, uh, on more than one occasion, uh, been lovingly confronted by people I trust who I know are in my corner uh, about what they perceive to be a drift in me towards something that they're concerned about. Uh, and those people didn't lose their job. They didn't go the way of Jimmy Hoffa. They, they, they saved me in a sense um, from the temptation to yield or wield the power that's been given to me by the people 
um, in, in a way that ultimately would harm the people and, and really disqualify me from ministry. So who can say no to you? What role, not necessarily what yeah. name, and and or who can point out a blind spot and say, Matt, you're just not seeing this, I think. Well, I have tried to invite um, a, a cross-section of people from our org that can come in and at any time just go, hey, I need you to think about this. I, I want to just lay this before you. you ask me to do this, so I'm laying this before you. So clearly at the top level, there's our elder board and uh, two of our lead pastors, Brian Miller and Josh Patterson. But also then down the line, I've tried to pull up certain people like um, uh, our children's minister or one of our group's pastors who, who are farther down the line and will experience me in a much different way than say those at the top level of leadership. And so the thing I've tried to cultivate is not, I don't want to open it up to, hey, everybody let me know what I'm doing wrong. But, but to select really across the hierarchical um, scope and sequence of our org chart, men and women who can go, hey, I'm, I see this. I want to ask a question. You invited me in to do this, so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious here, but I, but I want to lay this before you. Um, and then go from there. I, I found if it's just the top level, then there can be some groupthink. There can be a little bit of an echo chamber. Um, but if I kind of skip level that invitation to keep an eye on me, keep an eye on how I'm operating, come to me if you've got concerns, I want to invite you in, you're safe, you're not going to disappear from that, we don't have that kind of culture, then then I get a better picture of how I'm being experienced. Because I think an important concept that a lot of lead guys don't think about is not, have I done something wrong or am I doing something wrong, but how are people experiencing me? Um, are, are they, do I own my power in a way that is harsh? Do, do I speak in a way that maybe what I said was true, but, but have I belittled un, unknown, unbeknownst to me? Uh, have I made someone feel small? Have I, so I, I, I just always feel like I'm Matt, the happiest, friendliest guy on earth. But there are people who might experience me differently than that. And so, man, I, it's just really helpful to have someone go, I, I experienced you that way. But I want to be the one that invites those people in on purpose uh, because there are some people who would bring concerns to me that are not valid concerns and have much more to do with them than it has to do with me. Um, and so usually those people across our org that I've invited in are people I respect as leaders um, who who carry similar amounts of workload, not necessarily authority, that I do that can kind of see. So children's ministry for me, Julie's huge. One, she's a gifted God, the leader. Secondly, she sees the entire church through the lens of, parents who are dropping off kids and the kids she's uh, pouring into and discipling. So her perspective is so different than mine. And she's hearing things that I'm just not going to hear. And so to invite her in is, I think, a unique opportunity for me to learn how I'm being experienced in, in, in areas that, that I'm not close to. Hope everybody appreciates the authenticity of this train in the background yeah, and everything. Yeah, excellent. Now, just before we went on air, you talked about the pain that you feel when another, when other leaders aren't accountable and when there's some kind of failure. Uh, we've heard in the group a wide variety yeah. of ways of having that accountability. Sometimes it's outside the church. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 
I understand the model of outside boards. I've actually got friends that utilize outside boards. I just want to continually argue that without proximity, you simply can't see where some of the landmines are and where some of the behavioral patterns exist, which is why I always want to argue, look, if your view of a board is the board's job is to save me from organizational mistakes, whereas my external board kind of nurtures and pastors my soul, I, I understand that to a point, but I think with out inviting people who watch you work every day, who see you when you're stressed, who see you when everything's hitting on all cylinders, then then really you put yourself in a dangerous spot. And, and therefore, I think you put the church in a dangerous spot. So, so I want to argue that teams are cultivated in such a way, elder boards are cultivated in such a way, staff is cultivated in such a way that there are three, four, five people that you personally invite into a Watch my life, please. I'm paying attention to my wife, uh, my life and doctrine closely, as Paul would say, Timothy. Your, your wife, but, uh, yeah, but she is certainly probably more so than I am. But um, but then invite others. Hey, I want to be serious about this text. I know I'm going to have blind spots. I know I won't be able to see them because they call them blind spots. Will you bring those to my attention? So I'm. I understand external boards. I think without proximity, accountability becomes nearly impossible. How about those that in the room talked about not a board relationship externally, but they have a pastor, uh, often an older person they look up to, maybe somebody who mentored them in ministry and who has asked permission to speak into their life? Yeah. So again, I would be 100% for that. I, I think what I am saying can work beautifully right alongside with that. So like there is a man in my life who's nearly 70 years old, who is a mentor and a dear, he lives in Nashville. I'm in Dallas and I'm on the phone with him once a month. And we're talking about my greatest leadership challenge. And I'm, um, trying to work through issues that I feel like I, I don't know how to navigate. Um, but, but he doesn't watch me in the foyer on Sunday morning. He doesn't see me interact with my executive team. He doesn't see me in the elder room when I'm getting pushed. He, he doesn't, right. He, he can't see any of that. Uh, and so I'm super grateful for my relationship with him. In fact, uh, I would attribute that relationship to a lot of my own emotional health and stability. But it's the men and women that I've invited in that are through our org that I think ultimately have saved me from stepping on the landmines that might have cost me ministry or would have simply just wounded a man or a woman in a significant way in our church. So how do you pick those who have mentored you? What kind of person is a mentor to a Matt Chandler? Well, I mean, I I think I've got multiple kinds of mentors. Um, And so one, by the grace of God, I've got access to guys theologically who can help me grow or understand or see what I might not be seeing at the time. And so I've got a a couple of those. My main mentor uh, is is more of a, I don't know how to explain it, maybe just a soul ninja who's kind of helped me with my own kind of um, emotional journey and healing from some early wounds in my own family of origin and helping me understand a little bit about why I operate the way I operate, what, why certain things bother me and certain things don't bother me. Um, and then, man, I've got leadership um, mentors when it comes to strategy and structures and organization. I don't naturally think that way. I need mentors in that area because what I want to do is preach through the book of Exodus and see people come to know Jesus and grow in their knowledge of the word of God and their power uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to how 
how this structure is built, I, I need help. And, and I don't just need help from a gifted guy on my staff. I, I need even mentors that can come in and help us think rightly uh, about how to build trellises that'll support the kind of vine that God's growing at the village. Awesome. What about the structures of the church as the church has grown? Have you found a need to change the structure, including this transition you're currently making to spin off the campuses into uh, standalone churches? How are you structuring to ensure accountability at every level? Yeah, I, I love the question. Well, one, we, we want to do just that, right? It's not organic. It is organized. And so part of that is um, a, a review process every year that's internal and then every other year that's external. Um, and that, that means that uh, there's a 360 review done of me that has a conversation with my wife. This year included a conversation with my oldest daughter, uh, as well as those that I am managing in our organization. So uh, a, an elder board, three men from the elder board um, talked with my administrative assistant, talked with my wife, talked with my direct reports. They have seen with their own eyes my preaching and teaching. They have been in the room as I've tried to lead out in the elder room. Um, they have seen initiatives. They have seen projects. They have seen, and and then they they want to show me what they've seen, where areas where they think I can grow, um, areas where they think I've succeeded and gone beyond their expectations, and so um, every year, um, in fact twice a year, um, there are internal reviews, including the three lead pastors, uh, and we don't the three lead pastors don't do one another's review. Um, and and elder board made up of three lay elders are the ones who do that review. And then, um, and then every other year, uh, BCWI comes in and does a giant 360 of the That's entire That's best board. Christian yes. workplaces institute. Yep. And so they've come in and done the massive 360 top down. And then we sit down with them and, and are coached from them. You also have one more accountability partner, the Evangelical Council. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's the financial accountability in particular, uh, or at least that's how I think about and, it. And I know you guys do more. From your perspective, what has ECFA done to help the Village Church? Well, it's given us best practices on, on how to be as transparent as possible about our resources. And so, I, and I think I said this in class the other day, I, we don't do ECFA for skeptics. Uh, we do ECA so that we can have the, like, nobody really in the, the church I pastor knows the, how to navigate nonprofit finances in a way that are not just at the standard, but beyond the standard. And so where ECA has certainly helped us is going, here's the standard. And, and here's a little bit beyond the standard. And then we've been able to go, okay, great. We want to even be a little bit farther than that. Um, and so that's why we've loved them. And that little symbol is great. But, but for me, what's greater than that little symbol is what that symbol has helped us develop, which means, hey, here's, here's our, our audit lives, our external audit lives online. Go check it out. Your money's going exactly where we said it was going, right? Here's a breakdown of the budget. Here's how we're spending our money. Here are the percentages. Here are, you need to know every year there's an internal, there's an external on it. We, we want to be above board with every cent that comes into this church. And so, um, so that's been super helpful. That's another uh, illustration of just trying to walk in accountability across the board. Financial.
financial, spiritual, emotional, with every bit of power and influence God gives us, we want to make sure that that's in the light side and not the dark side of those things. And the result of that is that Christ stays center That's stage. It. That's it. And, and you're exactly right, right? The, the, the purpose behind all of that is the mission of God. Um, and so, again, even this to me isn't about how to run a company well. Uh, this is about how do we wire, build, and systematize a culture and an environment that when all said and done is by the grace of God, not going to sully the name of Christ, and will stay on task to make disciples of the nations. And may God continue to do just that through you. Amen, brother. Thank in you. In health. Yeah. And through the village church. Amen. Thank you, brother.